Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lunch and Rouge Cycling Podcast for our first race recap of the season straight after the race. Happy to be back. And we're in the UAE for the UAE Tour Stage 1. It's a new stage that we haven't seen before. 141Ks from Madinat Zayed to Liwa. And I think this stage could have had more. I, I don't know. I, I did say on our weekly show, which comes out later this afternoon, that I am a, an expert in, in Middle East topography, perhaps not expert <laughs> enough, because they're on a cycle track, basically. It's hilly. It's in the sand dune. They go south into like the sand dune area, up and down. But I don't know if that means it's protected from crosswinds or not, because it's, it's a bit hilly. Because if there were crosswinds on this cycle track, it was narrow. This could have been a carnage stage, but it, that didn't really uh, eventuate. But who we got here, Benji? Because this is probably the most stacked sprinters list we'll see all year. A whole bunch of sprinters. Maybe the Tour de France can top it because Philipson is not here. That's the one I was looking forward to seeing as well at this race, but he's not. DSM is here with Jakobsen. We've got Bora with Wellsford, Visma with Koi, Sudal Quickstep with Merlir, Astana's here with Cavendish, Jaco with Grunewagen, Tudor with De Klein, the Tiger of Wurstenbos. Movistar with Gaviria, Alpesin with Groves, Yoi Molano, Israel Ackerman, Bahrain with Bauhaus, Decathlon Sam Bennett, Ineos Viviani, and the Polar Bear is also there, Mareshko for Koratek, because, spoilers, he did a bit better than I expected. But why that's a, a long bear? list of Oh, because I said, I said, why do you put him in the list? Yeah, but people <laughs> haven't seen that yet, because that yeah. podcast isn't out yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I forgot what I even said myself. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, that's a list of sprinters. The thing with these, these sprints in the UAE is that I'm actually always looking forward to these sprints, which is weird because the stage itself is mostly boring 90%, but if you show up for the last 5k, you get a wide road sprint against each other. Sometimes there's a crash that sucks a bit, but if there's like a pure sprint against each other, then you can really see which teams are the best leadouts going into the rest of the season. And I like seeing that vibe early on in the season, and that's why I kind of like these stages. So, hey... Stage, parkour, you said it, it's got, it's got hills, but not hills. And why do you think that those hills weren't effective? Is that because it's the difference of wide straight roads? So the riders hit it with full force with, with a faster speed and you don't have like the, the, the narrow corner into the Molenberg kind of vibe? Um, because it's the UA tour and they can't be bothered. <laughs> Probably because, also true. Because there's 20 different teams that want to sprint today. I think De Gent tried something, <laughs> and I don't know what he was trying, and he got closed down. I think he was just messing about. So, yeah, that's just... Every team wants to sprint. The weather conditions weren't weren't really playing ball. The GC teams like UAE just want a calm day, and no crashes, no crosswinds with Yates. So, yeah, there's... No real team that incentivized to do anything different except for uh, EF. But yeah, Korotek had a good day, uh, taking the yep. IS points, uh, and also later in the, in the stage. There was a crash, though, with 
uh, a tutor rider, Benji, who looked like he'd already been banged up. Like he already had bandages on. So I don't know what happened there. It was like nothing was really on. I don't know how many people crashed in this stage before the sprint happened because Mosca crashed, Stork crashed, then the Tudor Rider, and then I saw Wellsford, his left side, he has bandages on his arm and on his leg, and then I was like, is there a crash we missed before the broadcast or something during this race? Did that happen before the stage started? That's something I'm curious about because I was like, hmm, I was maybe thinking about Wellsford being a candidate for the sprint. So if that happened in this stage, that might not be a, an amazing sign. But hey, we didn't know going into the sprint, but you're right, quite a bit of riders crashed here and there, and I feel like it's always like the, I don't know what you call this effect, the concertina effect, where somebody slows down at the front of the peloton, and then at the end of the peloton, someone has to react, but because it all comes together, the whole peloton, it's more difficult to react, and eventually it leads to one rider crashing here and there without necessarily a major pileup in the early parts of the stage. So anyway, that aside, Sprint is coming most likely because I don't know how you're going to ride away from a 100 and X amount of people <laughs> solo in this final. So I feel like a lot of teams were trying to be at the front. One team that wasn't at the front with 5k to go was Bora. They were on the, on the second or third tier. And do you reckon that's planned in that they don't want to be at the front yet? Or is that more of like, oh, there's no space on the road for 20 teams? What they've done before, I remember maybe the uh, Dubai Harbor or Abu Dhabi stage, sprint stages, they come up really late. This is when they had Archbold, Mullen, and, and Van Poppel. They'd come up about 1,500 meters to go uh, when there was wide enough. Sometimes it would work. Sometimes it wouldn't work. Uh, but I remember yeah. they, they put Bennett in good position on a couple of stages maybe two years ago. Uh, but that's sort of been their MO. What actually happened here was they came up earlier than that with Gamper, I think it was. And they were looking in decent position. They came up. They were side by side with Visma Lisa bike, uh, who don't have Affini and Van Aert here. They got the Van Dyke brothers, Tosh van der Sander and Lo Van Bell. Uh, sort of the lead up for Coy. They were side by side. Quickstep and Alperson, we I literally can't distinguish between the two of them. So I'm not going to say where they were somewhere in the top third, but not really taking over. Like their kits. Today was evidence of how ridiculous it is. Their kits, like, yeah, it's, you just can't tell the difference. Um, so that's a joke. But the yeah, it was it was a mess. All these riders are coming in fresh. Absolutely nothing on all stage. A million teams want to do something. The I think Coy clearly wanted to get on Wellsford's wheel. Bora have the strongest train so far this season from TDU. Merlier's and, and all these sprinters like abandoning their train. That's what it seems to be happening. Like Merlier abandons his train with 500 or 600 meters to go. Bauhaus is freelancing. Gaviria is freelancing. Milano's on his own. There's actually a lot of riders freelancing, uh, even Jakobsen. It's, Bennett was the one, Benji, who actually had more riders around him with about 700 meters to go. Exactly. And the thing with Sam Bennett was that I actually thought that the Cathlon train looked very good in the last 600 meters. They had three rides, they were on the right side of the peloton, looking on the helicopter view, and they were in a position where they could potentially move up. And the first rider starts moving up with about, I think it was 600 meters to go roughly, maybe a bit longer than that. And he keeps moving up, and he basically starts moving up to the front of the peloton, doing a lead out for the entire peloton. But the second lead out of Ajdezer, like the man in front of Sam Bennett, never followed. So... Those guys just 
linked up with a different train in the peloton. And honestly, I think if that leadout man followed that rider ahead of him to the front of the, the peloton, I reckon that might have been quite perfect timing for Bennett. What do you reckon? Yeah, the right side is what opened up, and that's that's where Merlier sort of he got fortunate, but also he he was the best here. And like all those sprinters, they all go. If you look at the overhead before uh, Gaviria launches, they all crowd to the left side yep. where Bora went with Van Poppel, and there's a big fight there, and they all basically get boxed for a period of time. And as that happens on the left side. As the as their lead out sort of ends, and uh, I think I don't know if it's yeah, Van Poppel goes in front of Koi. Gaviria actually doesn't launch first. The crazy thing is, Milano launches first, and Gaviria has the opportunity to win here. Maybe he couldn't in the end. But he completely ruins his sprint by coming out of the wheel of Milano too fast. He, he Milano jumps super early, tries to get the jump on everybody. Mil Gavira just immediately says, I'm going to look that gift horse in the mouth and jump ahead of you. And then Merlier basically jumps. He was on the open front side next to Wellsford as they were all having that fight. But even so, like the power difference is clear. When Merlier jumps, I know he's got the slipstream of the two Colombians, but... He just straight up ruins everybody. Um, and he's not starting from a position that dissimilar to Wellsford, to be honest. And a really, really impressive win from Merlier. He basically ditched his lead out, which went left, and did his yep. own thing in the last 500. I think after Philipson, he's the best sprinter in the world. Uh, certainly yep. in, a, in a straight line in 15 seconds, he's almost impossible to beat <laughs> if you bring him fresh. And uh, yeah, really, really impressive win as well as uh, Arva Decline coming second, Moreshko third. So two of the Pro Conti teams actually uh, doing very well. Then Jakobsen, Wellsford, Gaviria, Milano, Consoni, Bauhaus, Jana van der Paar, Pelota, Destiny rounding out the top 10. Out of the top 10 is Bennett, Coy, and uh, who else? Well, half of the riders we initially mentioned. So yeah, Groenewegen, Cavendish, Ackerman. Groves. I do need to mention someone at Movistar needs to pull out a graph and show it to or a PowerPoint and show it to Gaviria in the sense of like if there's a corner you can with like 400 meters to go or like with like 250 meters to go let's say 250 meters you can start sprinting before the corner that's okay if it's a downhill run in or a downhill finish you can start sprinting earlier if the straight finish and even slightly uphill I would not consider launching early. So he definitely should have stayed in the wheel of Milano longer. Yeah. Whether it's 50 meters, whether it's 100 meters, uh, maybe 50 meters, that would have been 230 meters that he would have launched at roughly. I reckon that would have been a much better decision and he would have gone close to winning because you're straight up going out of the draft and reducing the advantage you have in that sense. So that's something that Gaviria needs to do better, but we said it millions of times, so I don't think he's actually going to change. I think it's in his DNA at this point. When it comes to the decathlon train, uh, train I mentioned, maybe they need to trust each other a bit more. That might bring them to the front at the right moment in this stage, I reckon. When it comes to an actual crash happening, we haven't mentioned the crash yet. After the sprint or during the sprint, in like position 15, I would guess roughly, there is a crash that happens. And it seems like whenever the peloton 
went from the left side of the road from helicopter view to the right side of the road so like the the sprint is in 15 14 that position move side to try and get in the draft of the other sprinters and then we see Yannev on the par basically crossing the front wheel of Mullen who had done his lead out at the front who do you think is to blame in this situation even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks Italian leather jackets and so much more and the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, Van der Paar, yeah, chops him. He comes across uh, before he's cleared Mullen's front wheel, but Mullen also finishes his lead out and he's waving around. Uh, as he tends to do, but in that uh, he'd stopped actually, and then he was coming back in a straight line. So yeah, he gets chopped at high speed, goes down super hard, and then there's the ricochet effect. Uh, so yeah, he, there's not much really he could do. Uh, that's the danger of, I guess, being a lead-up man is often you're coming back, and riders, all these sprinters are surging across and um, trying to fight for the wheel ahead of them. There's no solution, eh? Like, you, you can't solve this issue, I believe. The, the issue of lead-outs coming up the front and having to drop back in in the middle of the road, like... in Didn't this in, happen in Tavarenschgold in Tour de France Stage 4 last year? You know, X-Rider or Cofidis Rider was coming back on the barriers on the, the um, Moto Circuit one, and they just, got this, they just got chopped super hard. Yeah, but I think that was a situation where Warrenskjold was looking backwards, no? Ah, yeah, yeah, true, true. He, he drifted, he drifted. That's the thing. It's like you when you finish your lead out, you you have to just come back in a straight line, and it's actually um, incredible how often experienced lead out riders finish their lead out and then start looking around. I know it's second nature; they're trying to see where their sprinter is to see, yeah, what's going to happen. But they then they drift around. Um, but yeah, big but- crash. Um, I think Fretten went down hard. Fretten. Yeah, Fretten. 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 That's the most English way I've ever heard his name pronounced. <laughs> <laughs> On uh, Cofidis, as well as a number of other riders, the Steiner riders down, uh, and we actually saw Tejada and Gazzoli coming across the line sharing a bike. Uh, Gazzoli pedaling whilst Tejada. I don't know if his bike was broken, probably, or his legs couldn't pedal. Not sure. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of a typical, typical UA to a stage, really. It's like, Yep. Easy all day. Uh, at least there wasn't a headwind, so they got it over pretty quickly. Five k's to go. Chaos. Everyone's fresh. Million sprinters. Big crash at high speed, and uh, a big boy wins the sprint. That's just uh, that's sort of what happens every time. What are you expecting when it comes to the other sprints? Learning from this, do you think that has Bora made a mistake in this lead out? Because I felt like they were kind of yeah. more messy than I expected them to be. But I find it hard, like, pointing at a specific moment that they should have done something completely different. It's more like they weren't where I expected them to be. I feel like Mullen came to the front and he was like, I'm here too early. And he, they were. And then he, he's like, we, we can't. And, and then they got washed over. And then after they got at washed 2K, over, they could never reestablish their position again. Yeah. At 2k to go, you're right. At 2k to go, there was like slight ram before they hit a bit downhill towards the 
the finishing seven, and that's exactly where what you said happened. As in, there were four riders of Bora, they came to the front, they looked at each other on the left side of the road, the tutor, the tutor leader was also looking at, at Bora and was like, I'm not taking over. And I think yeah. that's when uh, Bahrain and Israel took over the job for a bit. But you're right that they had a hard time re-establishing, and then at the end they did come to the front on the opposite side of Gaviria and Molano, but it felt like they weren't at the front at the front. It felt like they were lacking behind a bit compared to the other side of the road. Yeah. And I don't know which side of the road was actually the most beneficial one today. I didn't check up on that before the stage started, but I don't know. Maybe that has a, an influence on that as well. But Wellsford was also not in the wheel of Van Poppel anyway. He had lost no. the wheel there as well. So they've still got a bit of work to do, but these sprints oh, they'll get are it right. That's the thing. If one thing I've learned from earlier, and he does this all the time, Paranese last year, UAE Oman, he wins the first stage. You're like, this guy's going to win every sprint. But the reality is his lead out's not that good. And he could easily just get boxed in like the other riders tomorrow or on, uh, on Wednesday. So I don't think Merlier is going to run away with every sprint. Uh, yeah. And I think Bora will get it right. Uh, although if Mullins crashed badly in DNFs, that's a real... Ooh. Well, we saw on the tour last year, without Mullen... Van Poppel's job becomes a million times harder against other good lead-out trains and sprinters because he wasn't bringing Bennett or whoever uh, may have sent a good position every time. So Mullen being out could be is a big blow for them this week uh, as the setup man. And so, yeah, I think it's going to keep being chaotic and... I don't know. Uh, who knows? It's, it's a lottery. It's literally a lottery. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Maybe Gronewegen and Fabio get it right. I don't know. It's it's a lottery at the moment. Uh, tomorrow's a TT, Benji. We have uh, Mikael Björk here, who won his first World Tour TT, or first uh, race, World Tour race last year, and the TT in the Dauphiné, but it's a flat one. Uh, who else we got here that's a good TT rider? Ilias Foss. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see how Foss goes uh, on the Ineos setup. That's very interesting. The former T time trial world champion from uh, Visma, now on the Ineos setup. I'm very keen to see how that goes. Uh, Wells, Cavagna now on the Molestar setup. Uh, Van Wilder <laughs> trying to for GC. Max Poole for DSM. Bart Lemon. Who? Malaysia. Yeah, Malaysia. Yeah. Malaysia. Uh, Bart Lemon. Kel O'Brien. It's actually not that strong a TT field, I must say. Yeah. You're There's not wrong. no Ghana. There's no Bissiger, there's no Kung, Van Aert, Remco like last year, Plap even. It's actually a very, it's fine, but it's a weak TT field compared to previous years. I think so as well. And when I then look at the GC riders here, we said it in the preview that is yet to come out, but <laughs> Adam Yates, who's the favorite for this whole stage race, he's probably also going to be one of the better Riders when it comes to the time trials, so will McNulty, so will Jay Vine most likely as well. So true, yeah. Yo, he should be able to establish himself well in GC, I reckon, after this time trial. McNulty and Vine on a flat TT like this should do a very, very good time. I'd be surprised if if those two weren't in the, in the top uh, five. Sorry, Feral Cat's just visiting me uh, outside. So <laughs> yeah, this is Feral Cat that's taken a liking to me, but I don't want to. I don't want it to come near my um the cuts on my hands. Case I got an infection, but anyway, it's just it's rocked up. Uh, the yeah, I think UAE they're going to be all three of those. They're going to have four riders in the top ten, 
I would say. Uh, tomorrow, I'm also keen to see Army Rail on the Decathlon setup. So there's a few things to be interested about. Uh, Payo Bilbao, how will he go? Uh, but yeah, I think I think Yates will do a good TT and I don't see any other GC riders apart from maybe Van Wilder being ahead of him that isn't on his team. Uh, McNulty and Vine, the exception to that, perhaps. Or, or Foss, if you... Uh, we'll see how he could go on his feet. Uh, actually, maybe Foss, if he does a really good TT, if he does... Do you think he could top five this race on GC, Benji? Mm, I think it's impossible he, to know his climbing level. He could do well on Jais. Jais is uh, yeah, the yeah, kind yeah. of climb for Foss. It depends on how good he's on, on Jabal Hafid, and I reckon he could definitely top 10 this race. I would say he's going to come sixth in GC. Okay. Okay, who are, we picking, who are we picking for the TT? I'm going to go with... Oh, God. I'm going to go with Foss. It's, kind of, it's a pretty good TT for him. Uh, I would have probably gone with him, but I'll go with Björk on UAE. Uh, I think it's a good opportunity for him, home race. And, uh, yep, true. He uh, did a good TT good in the pick. Dauphiné. I think he needs more hills, but uh, there's no Ganner or Bisica here, as I said. So uh, interesting TT tomorrow, if mostly for the uh, to see Foss on a different team. On a different setup as well as uh, the GC positions, but yeah, it's a it is a strange UAE tour as we as we said in our preview. So I'd encourage you go and check out our weekly show. We do a preview of the UAE tour as well as a classics preview of Omlop and Kerner this weekend. Uh, so yeah, you can listen to that either this afternoon uh, or early evening European time, UK time, or throughout the week at your uh, convenience. But I hope you enjoyed the return of the the daily recaps. Don't worry. I know I had some worried messages. People saying, "Where are they coming?" It's like we're we're just taking it easy, and then we'll we're pacing ourselves. We know the drill now. This is our 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. This is our fifth season, Benji. Jesus Christ, dude, we're getting old. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm washed up. Our skin's not growing <laughs> back as fast as as it used to. <laughs> uh, but yeah, hope you enjoyed the recap, and we'll see you with a TT recap tomorrow. Till then, ciao. Planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.